Man, I love that uh, passage today. Uh, both of those readings today, uh, you know, I talk a lot about, have been talking a lot about the Moravian mornings that we've been doing in this, uh, with the worship team prior to services on Sunday and how those verses attach themselves automatically to what I'm preaching from Sunday to Sunday. It just uh, amazes me how God just confirms the message and, and lights my, I mean, it lights up my heart to know that God is, is speaking the same thing over and over again. Uh, that just, that's just such a great confirmation to me. Uh, but I want to start doing that in the service. So, so you got two of the readings this morning, and uh, I, I don't have to connect them for you, but you probably weren't paying as much attention as you would be, as you will be maybe in the future. But uh, just, just the whole purpose of this study of what we're doing right now is recognizing the glory of God. And the psalmist David in this beautiful psalm this morning, uh, Russ read, just, just gives characteristic after characteristic of God as revealed in nature, in his, in his goodness to his people. It's one point after another reminding us of, how, of God's character revealed in what he does, revealed in what he's done. Uh, and, and then the Matthew passage um, in chapter 13, the, the parable of the seed. The seed is the word of God. Of course, Jesus is the word, and he's talking in that, in that reference. Uh, he is responding to teachings that are to questions that had happened earlier in the day uh, by the Pharisees and teachers of the law who were, who were questioning him. And they wanted a sign. And Jesus basically said, I've given you signs. You have signs. God has always done signs. He's always revealed his glory. Over and over again, he's done it throughout history. The problem is not that the signs have not been there. It's that you don't receive the word about who Jesus is that's tied to the signs. You don't receive me. You don't receive my word. And so you don't get any more signs. And it's important today because we're, we're going to talk today about, we're going to come back to what we talked about last week, and we're going to look at our response to the revealed glory of God. When God reveals his glory in us, what is our response? And we're going to find a response, two different responses, maybe three uh, different responses. We're going to focus on two. Out of the story of the blind man who was, uh, who was healed in the Bible, and Jesus said he was not uh, blind because of his sin. He was blind from birth, but he wasn't blind because of his sin. Uh, and we're going to look at what, what the response was when Jesus healed this man. When he came back seeing, that's where we left off last week, that the man came back seeing. But, but let's, let's just understand this one truth before we, we get going. Everybody with me? Say, oh, yeah. Everybody ready? Here we go. Let's understand this truth. Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about how we respond to the glory of God as he, he reveals himself in us. God has every intent to reveal himself in you. It doesn't matter how weak you are. We, we discovered last week, we looked at the story of the blind man being healed, and it, and it revealed the truth that Jesus reveals his glory in us. And, and Jesus said that the man was born blind so that he could reveal his glory through him. And so even in the weakest of us, God's intent is to reveal his glory in us. Matter of fact, the weakest of us hold the best potential for God's glory to be seen because People don't think, oh, that's just his talent. Oh, he's just really smart. Oh, he's just got a lot of experience. Oh, he's just been in the church a long time. Oh, he just has a, has a good grasp of Scripture. 
When God reveals himself in us and we're weak and we have nothing to bring to the table like this blind man did, he couldn't even see Jesus. But Jesus, the scripture, remember last week, said that Jesus saw him, that Jesus was passing by and he saw him. And I just want to say today, man, be weak. But Paul embraced his weakness. He said, because in my weakness, he is made strong. God reveals himself in our weaknesses. So embrace your weakness. Don't, don't try to hide that. Don't try to be spiritual. Don't try to act like you, you don't have any sin. And some of you think you might not have any sin or very little. And you need a revelation today of the truth of who you are. And we are all in our best filthy rags. At our best, our own righteousness has nothing uh, to offer to God. Literally, it's like a minstrel rag. That's the, that's the definition of that word. You feeling good about yourself now? Okay, I think we kind of, kind of laid that down where you, you realize you have nothing to offer, so embrace that. Man, the quicker we can get to the end of ourselves, the quicker God can, can and will reveal his glory to us because he's passing by. The Holy Spirit lives in us, so we're not like this blind man and that we have to wait for Jesus to pass by and see us. He is in us and he sees us. And he has every moment of every, uh, uh, every moment, every second of our lives that it pre- uh, presents an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to reveal himself, to show his glory in our lives. And we need to embrace that uh, like this blind man did. So last week we saw that and, and Jesus has plans to reveal his glory through us. And we have certainly seen the glory of God revealed in our lives here and in our church. We've seen the glory of God. So many stories to tell, and a few of those I told last week. I won't get into that again, but, man, we have so many stories. But what do we do when God reveals his glory in us? Well, that's the question today. What will our response be when the God of the universe, who resides in us in the form of the Holy Spirit, reveals his glory to us in our lives? Today we're going to evaluate the responses of the, of the healing of this man and, and look at our own response to the character of Jesus. I hope we find ourselves in the story. John chapter 9 is our text. We've got a lot of scripture to read today, so here's what I want to challenge you to do. When I go to read the scripture, I'm going to challenge you to make your, say to yourself, and Talitha talks to herself, so she's good at this. Talk to yourself and tell yourself, I'm going to stay engaged through this whole reading, okay? Just tell yourself that. See if you'll listen to yourself. Talitha doesn't listen to herself most of the time, so no, she does. John chapter 9, 8 through 41. All right, so the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no. But he is like him, and he kept, saying, he kept saying, I am the man. And so they said to him, then how are your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus, made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought, the, brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. <clears throat> now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud, of course the Sabbath day, when he made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight, and he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? 
And there was a division among them. So that they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind uh, and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked him, is this your son whom you say was born blind? How then does he now, now see? His parents answered, we know that he is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. And therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. And he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but for this man we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world, and those who did not see me, that those who did not see me may see, and those who may see become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, You would have no guilt, but now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. (laughs) I love his answers. Jesus is brilliant in the way he answers the Pharisees. All right, so that's our passage for today. Man, what a great story. I hope you got into it and and, and that you can get out of it what God has for us. But first of all, the first thing I notice in this story uh, is, is how they begin to deal with the glory of God revealed in this man's healing. And the first thing that, that they do uh, is they argue with people as to whether or not the occurrence was real. Was it really God or was it some uh, normal event that's been blown out of proportion? So, so they start arguing among, among themselves. So when people saw that, they started arguing uh, and trying to figure out a way to make it not true, which people do all the time with the, with the events of God, right? Particularly in science, when we talk about the creation science, which, by the way, Talitha and I are going to get to go see the Creation Science Museum. We're going to a World Religions Conference uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm excited about that, just about seeing science and, and, and how it affirms the truth of God's Word. But when people see the, the glory of God, they want to explain it away. When people talk about the fact that God opened the Red Sea and Israel walked through, well, there's, they, there are all kinds of people who would say, no, that didn't happen. It just happened to be low tide. 
or some other explanation. And said, so then there's still a miracle because this, this Pharaoh's huge army drowned at low tide. So there's a miracle in there somewhere, right? But, but we try to explain away the miracles, the, the, the God-exclusive activity that goes on in our lives. We try to explain it away. We try to take, use our logic, use our own explanations to figure out what happened. And I want to warn us to, to think about that. In John chapter 9, in, the, in verse 8 and 9, it says, The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, it's not like the, it, this, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. They were trying to explain away that it was actually the man who was born blind. And there's a danger for us in consulting man about God, the glory of God, when we see it. There's a danger we need to recognize. You're going to mislabel some of the God-exclusive events in your life if you're waiting for man to to, uh, come with you and say that it's good or that it was God. Those special moments of your life that God comes in and reveals his glory, sets you up to come to know him in a very intimate way as he does something God-exclusive in your life. There's nothing wrong with listening to others, but when, when, when we have to go to others because we're worried about their approval uh, and, their, and we need their interpretation of what God has done in our lives, we're missing the point. And don't expect that even religious folks are going to be able to help you to describe what God does in your life. Sometimes they can, sometimes they can't. God does God-exclusive things. He is, he, as we said last week, is passing by right now in your life and looking at the moments of your life. And he has plans that he's had since the foundation of the world to accomplish things through you, in you, to reveal his glory. Don't let your response be that you go and feel obligated to check with someone to gain authentication of what God's done in your life. Right? All right, second thing I noticed is they started doing, uh, they started questioning uh, asking questions of people that were involved in the situation. Now, that, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a good thing. Uh, it's called qualitative research. Here's the qualitative research by definition. My dissertation was qualitative research. It's a form of social inquiry that focuses on the way people interpret and make sense of their experiences and the world in which they live. And that's what they're doing. They're, they're asking questions of people. The social inquiry, they're asking questions and it's focusing on the way that different people interpret what was going on. So the first question was asked, uh, was this the man, uh, well, isn't this the man born blind? Is it not? Is it? Yes, no. But in this case, two worlds are colliding as they try to interpret the glory of God. Two different worlds that we find in this story, the blind man's world and the religious man's world. There's two different types of interpretation going on. So what do they do in their inquiries? The first thing they do is inquire of the blind man. Look at it again, verses 9b through 12. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how are your eyes open? And he answered, the man called Jesus, made mud and anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. This is a good response to the glory of God. They saw the glory of God, and they went to the source of the person that experienced the glory of God, and they asked for his testimony. They asked him questions. Good. That's a good response. It's a beautiful thing when you have a story to tell about what's going on in your life, and I think it helps people to come and ask you questions. What did God do in your life? And, and, and you explain it, 
exactly what God did. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to make it sound logical. You don't have to make it sound reasonable because God is not in that kind of business. He took you from nothing. He took you, as he was passing by, saw you inadequate for, uh, for anything, to do anything yourself, and he revealed his glory through your life. You can share that, and you need to. And we need to ask people, what's God doing in your life? I love the testimonies that we hear in life groups all the time of how God's moving and working in our lives. And we, we get to hear the struggle first, you know, because we're crying one week, and then the next week we're smiling and laughing. And we're excited about what, what the Lord did and how he answered, Right? And man, that's, that's a good response. They inquired of the man. And this was, the, they had good questions. They were asking about the methodology. They were asking about who he was and who Jesus was. But then they also inquired of the religious authorities. The Pharisees. Look at it in John chapter 9, uh, verse 13 through 17. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Okay, so now we don't know how to answer our questions, so we're going to bring them to the spiritual leaders and let them tell us what to believe. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made mud and opened his eyes, and so the Pharisees again asked him how to receive his sight, he tells them. All right, and then down in verse 17, so they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. The people wanted to know the truth about God. They saw this God-exclusive activity in this blind man's life. They questioned the blind man, and it didn't fit their religious beliefs that Jesus, who the, who the Pharisees had been warning and Sadducees had been warning them not to, to profess faith in him or to say that he did any miracles because or they, would, uh, they would suffer the consequences. And so these Jews don't want to admit that, so they, they're taking this unexplainable thing that happened in his life, this thing that has to be something besides what the Pharisees have been teaching because it happened from, Jesus is the one that did it, and so they bring him to the to religious leaders and they ask the questions. And it wasn't a good, a good uh, idea. Now, it's not always a bad idea for you to go to your spiritual leaders and ask them uh, to help you to understand something that God is doing. But so many times in our lives, we're in the same way. We, we come to, our, to spiritual leaders who are not walking with God. We, we go to spiritual leaders who are trying to, to keep their status up, and, and, and they're trying to build something, to, uh, a shrine to themselves. And I've been that guy. And I would say, there, you know, I would give advice to those who listen to me in days gone by. I, I don't come to me. I wish I could tell them, you shouldn't have come to me back then. Matter of fact, I have. I've apologized to people for who I was and my misunderstanding about God. But you know what? Today, when you come to me, what's your answer going to be? When you come to me to try to say, what's God doing in my life? I tell you what I'm going to tell you 90% of the time is, what's God telling you he's doing in your life, right? Y'all believe that? Say, oh, yeah. Have y'all encountered that? Say, oh, yeah. Yeah. God's the one that can tell you what's going on in your life, what he's doing in your life. This is God-exclusive activity. Now, I might be able to share something like, yeah, that happened to us. Yeah, because we've had so many weird experiences in our life. So many moments where God revealed his glory through our weakness that we can share some stories that might encourage you. But most of the time, we've got stories on both sides. Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. Or worry about it. You need not worry, but fix these things while you're in this struggle, in this struggle, right? These guys went to the Pharisees and brought them. Be careful about trying to make your experience of God's glory fit in your existing religious 
beliefs. Let me say that again. Be careful about trying to make God's glory as he reveals himself in your life, making it fit into your existing religious beliefs. I'm not talking about biblical teaching. It better fit biblical teaching. But your existing religious beliefs are not 100% consistent with biblical truth. I can promise you that. I've studied the word for years and years and years. I've been to the seminary and have a PhD from the seminary. I, I have studied the word in and out. I've been in ministry for 30, almost 38 years. And I'm telling you, I'm discovering truth now that I never knew. I'm discovering truth now that I taught differently. And so don't assume that spiritual leaders are going to have the answer. It's a good place to go to get some clarification, but God's the one that wants to speak to you. Make sure that if you go to, to someone, that, that, that you go based on what the Lord is leading you to do. But don't try to make it fit. If it doesn't fit, it's not supposed to fit. The Holy Spirit will interpret what he does in your life. Test the experience with the word of God. The Pharisees called Jesus a sinner <laughs> and, and used that to try to refute his glory. You know, they, 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 here's, a, here's a religious teacher saying that Jesus, the Son of God, is a sinner. So be careful uh, about trying to make your experience of the glory of God fit your existing religious beliefs instead of testing the experience with the word of God. Test it. It's good. Use the word. They also inquired of the parents of the man. Verses 18 to 23, the Jews did not believe they had been uh, blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. Now, that's a good sign because the the Jews, which is usually interpreted, that that phrase when it's used by itself is interpreted the Jewish leaders, not just the Jewish people. The, The Jewish leaders are now, some of them are beginning to believe apparently because they didn't believe until they heard the testimony of the parents. And so this, this, the parents' testimony, uh, they, they give testimony to, to um, the validity of the fact that this is their son. We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he sees again, we do not know. And then they pass the buck. They say, look, uh, ask him, he's old enough. Now, why did they do that? The Bible says, the parenthetical statement that we read and read up here, is that they were afraid of the Pharisees because they weren't supposed to be talking about Jesus Christ like he was the Messiah. We can't give God exclusive activity to Jesus. And so here's what I got out of that this week. Y'all with me? Say, oh, yeah. There was religious pressure. When When the Pharisees gave the wrong answer to this man, it didn't change what he believed, and the, and the Jewish people were starting to believe. They went to this man's parents, and there was pressure. Whatever you say, parents, to these Jewish leaders who are coming to you, don't say that he's the Messiah. And they didn't. They were scared. They were, they were, they were handling the glory of God that they experienced through their son. They saw the glory of God, and their response was to, to not testify about the truth, but instead to give in to the religious pressure. Any of y'all feeling your religious pressure? Any of y'all been feeling that? Maybe from parents, grandparents, maybe friends, maybe your old churches. This religious pressure to fit a mold, to be something that, that, that God is not. 
and, and constantly, if you step outside of that and you, you claim that God's done something in your life, then, then the pressure from the outside is they label you as, a not, as not a part of them. You know, we, we believe that healing still happens at the gathering place. You know why we believe it? We've seen the glory of God revealed in healings. Now, are, are we having healing services? Are we going on the road with our healers? No. We're not the healers. Jesus is. But we're practicing what the Bible says, and when people are sick, they come to the elders. We lay our hands on them. We anoint them with all, and we pray over oil. And we, That's the way I say it. That's what I grew up saying, all. We anoint them with oil, and we pray over them, and people are healed. Now, they're not always healed of the sickness, but we've had miraculous healings, and y'all know that. Miraculous healings. So what, is, what do our brothers and sisters in our religious, our religious friends who are around us, what do they say about that? Well, a lot of people don't even know that we're Baptists because somebody's been healed in our church. You know, when we start talking about believing in the Spirit and letting the Spirit guide us and work in us, it's just even this conversation we're having this morning based on the Scripture. Well, that, that we say that the Spirit is not dead, that He still speaks, guides, leads, the way Jesus said He was. There are people in our denomination that would call us charismatic. There's all kinds of labels. You know why the labels come? It's to stop us from em- embracing the glory of God. That's why. Don't let people who are religious talk you out of encountering and experiencing the Spirit of God as He moves and works to reveal His glory in your life. Beautiful things that God wants to do in your life, all the way from speaking a word to you that you need for a specific answer in a morning prayer time to healing you of some sickness, if God desires to do that, to to bringing a lost friend who is very lost to salvation. God can do it all, and he wants to reveal his glory to you. But don't respond by checking with religion to find out if it's okay. So these religious folks were putting pressure to gain false witnesses in the most credible way. And in this case, it backfired on them. (laughs) Because when God reveals his glory in you, it's an effort by God to reveal his character to you and who he is, and he's not going to let somebody steal that away from you. I love the response when they return back to the original source. (laughs) Say, let's try this process one more time. You know that uh, that whole... um, uh, research that we did, qualitative research that we just did, it didn't really turn out as well as we thought it would. We've asked everybody questions, and it didn't come out the way we want. Let's go back again and ask this man again. I love his response. The second time, they go back to him. Verse 24. Second time, they called the man who had been born blind and said, Give glory to God. We know that this man was a sinner. Give glory to God. We know that Jesus is a sinner. They're saying testify that he is not a man of God, and that gives glory to God. I could stop right there and preach a whole message on that. How many times do well-meaning religious folks proclaim their version of truth and say, give glory to God, and there's no glory for God in it? It is absolutely what God would be against. I mean, I, I can tell you my history is not good. In, in church ministry. You guys know that. We've talked enough about it, but it still goes on. And, and so give glory to God. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He said, come on, guys, really? 
Am I going to have to say this again? I've already told you. You're not listening. And he says, do you want to be his disciples? That was bold. (laughs) Do you want to become one of his disciples too? And they said, no, we're disciples of Moses. And Jesus is going to refute that in a little while. And the man answered, why is this an amazing thing to you? You know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know, he's saying we, in consistency with teachings that you guys, religious leaders, have taught us from the Scripture that there's no man who's a sinner who can cast out, uh, can make a man uh, whole. He said, but never since the world began has anyone opened the eyes of a a blind man. If he were not from God... He could do nothing. So here's a blind man who knows nothing. He hadn't even been able to go to the, to, to the temple because he's blind. He's been rejected by everybody because he's, in their minds, he is somebody's sin for him to be that way, and a sinner doesn't come into the temple. And so they never let this man even participate in their worship. And he is, so he's a nobody on the side of the street begging for, for money to try and make the ends meet. And he sees the glory of God, and now he's teaching the religious leaders. Receive that, church. Some of you have no means of arguing the Greek and Hebrew. You have no means of of, uh, sitting with people who have come to some conclusions about what their theological beliefs are, and, and you can't argue those things away, but it contradicts what you know that God has done in your heart, and you have Scripture that supports it. You got all you need. You don't have to please anybody else. This man was teaching them, and then they they got mad about it, and they said, who are you, a sinner, to teach us? And they cast him out. And that's the way, we're going to talk about that response. That's a response. When truth constantly reveals itself, you see the glory of God, and you know that 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 activity of God in in your life or somebody else's life is so real that you can't explain it away and it doesn't fit your religious beliefs, you got one of two things you can do. You can change your religious beliefs or you can uh, explain away the glory of God. Now, I don't know which one you have done all of your life, but I hope that from now on we'll be able to embrace the glory of God as he reveals himself in us and through us. We need to see God. So they go back to the original source, and he, he gives them what they don't want to hear, and they cast them out. Now, summarizing the facts. They've done good qualitative research, and now it's time to draw their conclusions. The facts, I think, they think, are plain. This man was born blind, and Jesus did, in fact, heal him. Nobody can deny that, and now is the time for them to make a decision about Jesus. Who is Jesus? The man is simple, he's untaught, he can't understand the confusion about who Jesus is based on their own religious teachings. And the man taught the Pharisees the truth that was obvious, and they cast him out. This is what religious people do with people who know God. It's what they do with us. When you know God and you're walking with God, that's what religious people will do with you. Those who have had legitimate experiences with God that don't fit these people's interpretation of truth, they will write you off. But honestly, there's a decision that comes for all of us. When we see God's exclusive activity in our life, when he moves, his glory is revealed in us like it was revealed in this man. From the foundations of the world, this was the Father's plan to reveal his glory in this man. And when he did, decision time was there. 
So the blind man makes a decision when Jesus offers him the opportunity to believe. Look at it, verses 35 to 39 again. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And then he answered, he didn't even know who the Son of Man was. He just knew his eyes had been made whole. He says, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, You have seen him, and he is the one who's speaking to you. Verse 38, he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, and those who do not see, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Now, we know he's talking about spiritual truth now. This blind man represents a spiritually blind man as well, and he sees the truth, and he believes. He puts his faith in Christ. But there's another response. The Pharisees. Jesus shows them their condition and what results from the failure that, uh, from their failure to see the truth. In verse 40, he says this. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. Because the blind man was blind, right? Again, he's, it's a double meaning, spiritual and physical. If you were blind, you would have no guilt because the blind man no longer has any guilt. Why? Because he said, I believe. But now that you say, oh, we already see, we follow Moses, we, we have the truth, we're walking in the truth, he says, your guilt remains. So this is huge for us. As we close today, it, it's not only a decision time for the Pharisees and for this blind man, it's a decision time for us. How, how many acts of glory are we going to see God do in our lives before we say we believe? Some of you here today have not put your faith in Christ yet. And you've seen God do impossible things in the lives of people around you. And you've even encountered God moving and working in your life. And today, just like it was for them, today is decision time. It's time now for you to make a decision about what you believe. I know that there's a fight going on in your mind because Satan does that. He uses everything he can. He uses logic against you. He uses the reasoning of other men against you. He uses other religions against you. He uses Christian religion against you. And some of you have turned away and turned away from God, and and, and you've never made a decision, but there is a time, a moment in life where you need to make a decision, and today's the day. Why not? I mean, honestly, you're going to make a decision today. When Jesus spoke truth, when Jesus revealed himself, once Jesus' glory is revealed, a decision needs to be made, has to be made. You have to explain it away or you have to say, this is God and I believe. And so I encourage you today to believe, to put your faith in Christ, to quit worrying about it, quit questioning it. God has revealed his glory to you numerous ways in your own life and through the lives of believers and through this body. Today, say to God, I believe. I I put my faith in you. I don't understand everything, but today, I want to respond in faith, in the faith that you've given me, to receive Christ in my life, to have the Holy Spirit living in me, passing by every day, speaking to me moment by moment. Today, I want that. And, And some of us that have been believers for years are still so worried about whether we fit into the mold of some religion whether we fit into the mold of some other church or some pattern 
of churches that might be in existence today. There's all kinds of cool, hip churches nowadays. And we, can, we, we at the gathering place are not doing what we do because it's hip or cool or edgy or whatever it is. We're just trying to get to know God. That's our goal. And, and so, you know, some of you have been, are still worried. Are, are we okay? When God is revealing his glory all around us, are we okay? Is this good? Is this not good? And embrace that. Quit fighting that fight. Live, let the glory, let the testimony of your mouth be everything that you think God is doing in your life, speak it. Just tell people. Don't be embarrassed to tell somebody who, who doesn't believe that God does something or guides you or tells you you need to take a job or not take a job or that God tells you that you need to go to school or not go to school, that you, you, know, you know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in ways that you can understand and revealing His, His glory in your life. Don't be ashamed to tell people that that's true. Yeah, people are going to think you're crazy sometimes. But the same thing was true with this man. And ultimately, you can say with him, you know what? I know that I know that I know that Christ has done a work in me. And I believe. And you can't not make me not believe. So deal with that. They'll cast you out. But it's a good place to be cast out. This is, yeah, I can tell you this. This little congregation right here is a great place to be a cast out. Right? This is a church full of cast outs. And, and we want more cast outs. That's who we're looking for. Non-believers that have been cast out by society and religion has judged them and put, put them down and they, they consider the church to be the bane of society. They are cast outs. Just like this man was released by the church. The religious people of his day had nothing to do with him. When there are people in this community that don't know God that you have a relationship with and you need to talk about the glory of God. Reveal the glory of God to them in your life. And then I, I are plenty of people who are seeking God and trying to do it in the context of their religious experience and they're, and they're seeing their experiences with God refuted day in and day out. That we call them wanderers and they're out there and they need to find their way here. Because we're going to tell them the story of Jesus, how good he is. And that, that no matter who they are or where they are, that God is enough. Christ living in them is enough. The gospel is enough. And that God will produce fruit in their lives just like he does in ours. And what a great message for us to, to hear today in response to the glory of God. So I want to invite you today to respond to that. I want to invite you to respond by, by praying as we prepare here in just a minute. And we'll have a time just of silence for you to pray and just to talk to God and deal with that. And if you've never put your faith in God, just say that to him today. God, I, I don't have all my questions answered, but I believe. I believe. You've brought me to the place of believing. I have seen enough that I'm putting my faith in you. If you have put your faith in him and you need to release some baggage today, then I encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are passing by even right now in this place. That your Holy Spirit is present and working and moving. I pray right now that you would put in the hearts of every person that needs to get something right with you, that you would put it in their hearts right now in a way that they would know that they are having a God-exclusive moment with you. That you would, would cause their hearts to just be broken and to desire you in such a way that they would pray a prayer right now silently to you, to, to surrender their lives to you. 
God, give them faith to believe. Lord, we love you and thank you that, that not only are you passing by, but you're looking at us. You see us. Every person here is being seen by you right now. And they're not seen as people not worthy of coming to you. They're seen as people who, are, who you want to redeem. I thank you that your word says that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to eternal life. And, and that you are waiting to return because of that, because you want more children to come to you. So, Father, I pray for honest, heartfelt, authentic responses today. And that our worship would be true. Father, help us to see you seeing us. Take a moment just to pray your prayer to the Lord.